I'm Carol Coletta, and this is Night Cities. Growing up in South Memphis, I spent countless hours at a tiny storefront branch library right around the corner from my home. I loved to read, and the place was jammed with books. Perfect. But libraries today are as likely to be occupied by people studying for their GED, applying for jobs, figuring out small business startup procedures, and watching movies on computers as they are with people discovering new books to read. It makes for a complex set of services and a confusing future. Miguel Figueroa is trying to figure out what that future looks like. Miguel heads the American Library Association Center for the Future of Libraries. The center promotes innovative and future-oriented thinking to position libraries for long-term sustainability and success. Miguel, when you look into the future of libraries, what do you see? Well, I think libraries have a lot going for them. Um, We've been future-oriented for a long time. Uh, When you think about the science of library science, I think a lot of it is trying to predict the future needs of users, the future information needs, the future programmatic needs, those types of things. So we've been future-focused for a while. And I think that we're innovative in nature in that we are responsive to the communities that we serve. All types of libraries, whether they're public libraries or academic or school libraries, are responding to a changing set of needs uh, from their users. I think what's happening right now that's really interesting is that it used to be that the information resources themselves were scarce. People couldn't have all of the books in the world. They had to have some sort of resource that encouraged the sharing of those items. But the information explosion brought on by the Internet and new communications technologies have made it a lot easier for people to access information. With that, though, is a challenge. You have to know how to access really good information, um, how to use it to its fullest potential, and how to change that available information into new knowledge and new creation. And so the library now and in the future, I think, is going to be about all the things that you can do with information in the world, not just about the information sources that are available themselves. In terms of what the underlying trends that are driving Uh, the future of libraries. You mentioned one, and that is that it's so much easier to access information today. Are there others in terms of demographic trends, consumer trends, uh, technology trends that you see that will influence uh, what libraries become in the future? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, some trends in the education world, things like connected learning and this idea of hands-on, more participatory and peer-to-peer learning models, I think that those are starting to catch on in academic environments and in scholarly research. But at the same time, that's a great spot for the library to be in. We can be that neutral space in the community where lots of different participants can come into a space and find different ways to do hands-on learning activities and have the information resources available to back them up. I think demographic trends, as we have more opportunities to communicate with people, I think communities will find a lot of the unique aspects and diversity that kind of brings different groups of people together. I think that's a real opportunity for libraries too, because again, we can be that space where people can come together, get to know each other in new and different ways, uh, encourage that sort of civic discourse, and have those opportunities to connect. I also see some things in philanthropy like uh, the collective impact model, where we're starting to see that in order to tackle some of the big issues in cities, 
we need lots of different partners to come together around uh, specific issues. And again, the library is a great partner because we have resources, we have expertise, we have space uh, that allows people to become more informed and to tackle some of the big issues that are rooted in education, access to information, access to technology and culture. You know, thinking about it, I don't often see libraries represented at community tables, at collective impact tables. Are, are you seeing that more today? I think it varies based on the library. So one of the things that's important about libraries is that they are unique and reflective of their individual communities. So there isn't a single brand of libraries. Each community kind of uh, manages its own library and it's responsive to that community. And so it depends um, on how things work out in a given community. I think there's a lot of important trends that are happening that point towards libraries being a key player. Um, I was particularly interested when the White House issued a new Connect Ed Library Challenge that was encouraging cities to work to ensure that all school students receive public library cards through their schools. I think that sort of falls into that collective impact model, that idea that we need to mandate and make sure that if we're going to tackle education standards or lifelong learning or literacy at its most basic and fundamental, we have to have an integration across lots of different city agencies. The library and the school systems can work together to make sure that kids of course have access to a school library in their K-12 environment, but also that the children and their families are aware that outside of school hours, the public library is a great spot for them to learn. And hopefully that learning can continue through to high school and into the academic setting where they have the resources of an academic or research library. Miguel, what are the biggest pain points for libraries today? Um, I think a lot of people, it's an interesting pain point, I guess. I think a, one of the things that I think a lot about is that people have very fond memories of their library and they remember them from their childhood experience and they think of them as great spots for early childhood learning, for literacy, and we have a brand that's really identified with books. But as I mentioned earlier, I mean, we're much more than books. And I think especially as information has exploded, we really want to help people think about more than just, oh, those stacks of books or the story time that they're used to. Story time is still an essential service that we offer for children, but we offer great services for adults, young adults, older adults, opportunities for them to come together and do hands-on active work. So we're maker spaces, we're STEM and STEAM learning, we're all of those things together. Um, I think that that sort of nostalgic view of libraries also hinders some of our funding opportunities. Um, I, we hear from a lot of communities where, you know, one person in that community is saying, well, let's just give everybody an iPad or a Kindle and preload it with stuff. And that kind of doesn't reflect the true service that libraries provide to their communities, whether it's a public library or an academic library. It's not just about the book. It's about everything that you can do with and around those materials. Figures show that people still use libraries, but they don't seem to be willing to pay for them. Why? I think that's a tough question. Um, I think, again, part of it is that they think that the Internet has everything for free. And so 
if we have that idea that we're just providing something that's already packaged and available for free, then why should we pay for it? So that's a tough one. We have to find out how we can demonstrate the value, the learning outcomes that happen. And and some of that has happened. Um, there's clear demonstration that schools that have a school library, their student success rates tend to be higher. Um, Cities that have strong public library systems tend to also be those same cities that have um, higher economic development and other cultural aspects within them. So the library plays a significant role, I think, in, in bolstering the success of a general community, but we have to tie those things together. And in a space that provides so many different opportunities to so many different directions, it's hard to do a strong tie together of that. Our Public Library Association is doing a really nice job of trying to do the measurable outcomes that can happen uh, from having a public library and demonstrating the value and impact of library services. You hinted earlier at this notion that we're all nostalgic about our libraries, but our nostalgia is for an old notion of libraries, and that makes it tough from a funding perspective today. You're talking about proving the value of libraries by research, by hard numbers, by the metrics, by outcomes. Do you think, Miguel, it's, it just requires that, or... Does it require somehow, I think, what John Palfrey's calling for, and that's the new nostalgia, uh, creating a new nostalgia around libraries? I mean, does it have to be more than facts and figures that will get us uh, as, as taxpayers to support our libraries uh, in the manner that uh, American Library Association believes we should? Um, yeah, I think that it's it's going to be more than facts and figures. You know, I, I'm a big fan of, of John Palfrey and his new book, Bibliotech, uh, talks about why libraries are more important than ever in this internet age. I think one of the things that he hints out that I think is going to be critically important for our future is that libraries have to innovate together. So we have a pretty consistent brand, this brand of books. But even as that brand resonates, there's innovation happening throughout libraries. We have great libraries that are doing awesome things, um, that are creating maker spaces, that are doing outreach services and taking the library to the beach or taking the library to, to the, uh, the farmer's market and other things. The problem that we sometimes have is that because there are so many different libraries and they're owned and operated by their own communities, sometimes those innovations happen in isolation. But we're in a world now that it's super connected where news and information travels fast. And so I think libraries especially need to capitalize that on that and find a way to distribute that innovation broadly so that a great idea that happens in one library on one side of the country can be quickly modeled and replicated in other libraries so that we can build that new sense of an innovative library space across the country so that it's not just isolated pockets of innovation, but that our whole brand is innovated and updated for today's users' needs. And I think that if we do that, then people will be eager to participate in the library, to support the library, and to become involved in it. What have you seen that most excites you when you think about the future of libraries? You've mentioned makerspaces, you've mentioned STEM and STEAM, uh, you've you mentioned taking, taking library to the beach, to the, to the farmer's market. What gets you excited and you think would get the public excited? I think the libraries that excite me the most are the ones that have figured out how to make their services a platform for the communities. They've figured out that they have 
resources and space and equipment and technology access. And what they're saying is, let's partner with the local experts in our community and let's encourage them to come into the library and start to teach their peer or their neighbor or to build a closer relationship within the community. I often talk about uh, several model libraries. One of my favorites is the Fayetteville Free Library that's in upstate New York. And it's a small library. I mean, it's a, it's a single building library. And they have an excellent librarian staff. But within that building, they have found ways to bring in lots of different members of their community to teach 3D printing, to teach home repair, to teach quilting, sewing, cooking, whatever you can imagine. And when you go in and look at that events calendar, you kind of think to yourself, well, how is this library doing all of this stuff? And if you ask the librarians, they'll tell you, oh, we facilitate a connection space within our community. We invite people in and tell them, to share what they know with the community that, they're, that they live with and that they engage with every day. And then the library provides all the surrounding stuff. You know, if you learn how to quilt, maybe you'll be more interested in checking out additional books about textiles or other things. Maybe you'll interested, be interested in accessing digital resources that talk about the history of arts and crafts in America. But it's those opportunities to change the library from something that you go to to access a book to something that you participate in as either an expert or somebody who wants to become more expert in a, in, in a particular field. I think that's a really exciting opportunity. Miguel Figueroa, thank you so much for being our guest today on Night Cities. Miguel Figueroa is head of the American Library Association's Center for the Future of Libraries. You can follow us on Twitter at hashtag Night Cities and at C. Coletta. Sign up for our newsletter at nightfoundation.org forward slash podcast to get the five things you should know from this interview and others. You've been listening to Night Cities. I'm Carol Coletta.